0: Hey, Mighty Parents, I have something new and very exciting for you. At the beginning of each show, you hear me say that I am more than a podcaster and that one of the things I do is coaching. Well, as I talk to and coach busy moms, I hear a lot about their guilt and their stress. I hear how hard it can be to fall asleep because of the unfinished to-do list that's running through your head or how you can't possibly follow your passion because there's no time or maybe you are following it. But then you feel like you're not doing anything well. You're, you're not giving your best at work or in a passion project, and you're not giving your best to your family. I hear you. Really, I do. And I understand. And I'm doing something about it. This Wednesday, August 12th, I am doing a live training. It's the art and science of saying no. Ditch the guilt, find more time, and enjoy your life more. I am only doing this once as a live training, so go to sandyfowler.com saying dash no, sandyfowler.com saying dash no and see what it's all about and whether it's right for you. I'm only doing this live training once and it is happening this Wednesday. Whatever happens with it in the future will definitely cost more. So even if you can't make it live, you can still grab it now. All the details are on the page at sandyfowler.com slash saying dash no. So if you're a mom who struggles with saying no, I really hope to see you on the training. This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education. I be me. Inward Bound Mindfulness Education believes young people deserve our best attention and support. And in order to create that support, they provide in-depth mindfulness programs for teens and young adults, helping them learn awareness, compassion, and concentration practices on retreats and during summer courses. And they have everything online for summer of 2020. IBME's mindfulness practices help with deep listening skills, self-awareness, and communication, essential competencies for success in all areas of life. And now they've expanded their offerings for adults, including a summer course for parents. You can find out about this and more at ibme.com, ibm When you get there on the main page, you'll see a spot where you can enter your email address. Do that so you stay updated on programs and events and find out about new course offerings. Then if you look just above that, a little to the right, there is a beautiful nature photo and it says new courses and offerings, new online courses and offerings. Click that picture and it'll take you straight to what they have so you can see what's happening to help you and your teen this summer.
1: Welcome to Mighty Parenting, the podcast with real raw and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults.
0: Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20 somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. Thank you so much, parents, for your support of this show. Whether you are sharing the podcast with friends, writing in with your appreciation and questions, or frequenting our sponsors who are keeping us on the air. I am very grateful, and I create this show for you. I couldn't keep it going and growing without you, so thank you. We hear a lot about college. We hear it from our high schools. We hear it in the media. We also hear a lot about college debt. If you are a longtime listener, you know that here at Mighty Parenting, we believe that college is a great experience, We also know college isn't the only option, and it isn't the right answer for all kids, and college right now isn't the answer for some as well. But how do we know if that's right for our child? And what else could they do that'll allow them to pay their bills and live comfortably? We really don't want them living in our basements. Well, helping us sort through this today is Terry M. Iverson. Terry is a machine tool sales and rebuilding company owner a former former travel soccer coach and mentor, the founder of ChampionNow.org, the author of Finding America's Greatest Champion, and proud parent of three adult children. And I just found out chatting with him before the show, seven, because we have a new arrival, seven grandchildren too. So Terry, welcome to Mighty Parenting.
1: Hey, Sandy. Thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Carrie, you have become this amazing champion for manufacturing. I, I I try to be. Well, I think you're doing a great job. I know I really, you sent the copy of the book over. And as I said before, I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. But I have, of course, looked at what's in there, and I have started on that, and I love where you're coming from with this, and that you are showing us a world that most of us really don't see and don't understand, and I think one that's really been maligned in our current culture. And so I'm I'm curious, you know, what instigated you to become this champion to not only own a manufacturing company, but to go out and start teaching people about manufacturing and how and why it is a viable option as a career path.
1: Well, um, my family, Sandy, got involved in manufacturing almost 90 to 100 years ago. Um, 1925, I think my grandfather got involved in manufacturing. And I got involved as a young person in 1980, so this is my 40th year. And in getting into manufacturing and talking to all these manufacturers, for all 40 years, they've commented on that they just cannot find the talent and the skilled people that they need. And it's been, it was, it, it was a comment initially. Then it, now it's become a like a chant almost. And as a young adult, I was always, um, it was always important to me to mentor young people because as a young person, I was mentored. So it's the whole pass it forward uh, concept. And so uh, what I tried to do is, and, and the need is so great in the manufacturing sector, the main disconnect and problem that we have is is with our culture in this country. Nobody knows that manufacturing is, I'll say, alive and well, and that there's a, you know, a desperation of need. And you've got a lot of young people that college necessarily isn't the correct path for them. And they think all hope is lost as a result. And that's just simply not true.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about what manufacturing is, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about manufacturing. And I have a background in the auto industry. I so I have worked in manufacturing in my past, and even I still don't understand what that is now. It's been a long time since I stepped inside of a plant, and I don't know what that looks like today, and I don't know what the options are for our kids, and I don't know what kind of a future that would be or if it's one that's dying out. So let's start with like, what's the most common misconception that you find people have around manufacturing?
1: Well, Sandy, most people have this perception and, and that's, let me say this, that's why I started Champion Now is to change perceptions of manufacturing careers. And I'll, I'll talk about that later. It's, it's actually an acronym. But most people think of manufacturing as dark, dangerous, dirty, and dead end. And there's a huge need uh, primarily. One of the facts that I should probably point out is if you took the manufacturing economy in the U.S. just by itself and compared it to all the countries around the world, their entire economies, we still have the eighth largest economic footprint in the world if you just take manufacturing by itself. So while it's true that a lot of manufacturing is done in China and the whole COVID situation is putting a whole new perception on that and and realization of that, uh, there's still a lot of manufacturing in the U.S. With the baby boomers, of which I'm I'm one, with a lot of the retirements coming and already enacted, there's a way bigger flow of labor out of manufacturing that is due to that compared to uh, the amount of jobs that are lost to China. So uh, some people in China, a good friend of mine, Harry Mosier, has an initiative called reshoring that's bringing manufacturing back from overseas, and so my point is that if we're doing, if Harry's doing a great job of, of doing that, well, we need to have enough people and enough workers and, and enough workforce to be able to fill those jobs.
0: So you're saying that this is a bright future. This is not a shrinking, uh, shrinking job field.
1: It's it's you can, one of the things that you can look at when you look at numbers is there's a lot of different ways to look at things. Um, There is, if you just count and look at manufacturing as the number of people employed, you might get that impression. But what happens is with technology, manufacturing has become way more computerized and automated. And by definition, that will reduce the number of jobs. Now, having said that, there's more jobs that are higher paying and there's more jobs that are way more savvy and very advanced. So the skill level is also going up of of the requirement. So it's still a significant part of our economy. There's a huge perception that there is no manufacturing in the U.S. And and those of us in manufacturing need to do a better job to, to counteract those perceptions. But there is a good future. Uh, aerospace is hot right now, defenses is, is hot, medicals hot and there's in the innovation and the the amount of uh, patents and innovation in the us that's done ongoing is is a world leader in itself. So there's a bright future. I think the average wage in manufacturing with uh, with The average age in manufacturing with benefits is around $82,000. Now that's by no means the beginning wage, but the average wage is $82,000 with benefits or thereabouts.
0: And our kids can live on that. They're not going to starve because I know that is one of the concerns that parents voice when they see that their child is not interested in college, not excited about college. Or maybe they would be willing to go, but they're looking at going, I have absolutely no idea what I'd want to do. This just doesn't feel like a good fit for me. And parents come out of that. And it's not really that parents feel the need that their kid must attend college. What the fear is that drives parents is they see their kid flipping burgers or working, you know, another minimum wage job and not being able to even just pay their most basic bills.
1: Well, I think one of the, one of the models, financial models that that I put in the book, Sandy, is that I take a 12 year plan and I compare a four or five year college degree, which I'm not, I'm not saying that people shouldn't get college degrees, but that's only a, a minor percentage of our young people the majority of our young people either can't afford or don't make it through the college experience, or at the end of the day, the job that they're getting the college degree for is inundated with applicants. So that 12-year financial model, when you consider the cost of education and paying back the loan and so forth, at the end of 12 years, a two-year maybe vocational or skilled degree that person will come out about 90,000 cash positive, whereas the four or five year degree person uh, 12 years out could be as much as $120,000 cash negative. So when you take that into uh, consideration, manufacturing has you know, a lot to offer, and it's all about matching our young people's passions and core aptitudes with careers that fit them.
0: And that's the key no matter what our kids do, right? I, whether they choose college or vocational or they want to be an entrepreneur or or whatever, it, it's about matching their passions, their interests, their skills with a way for them to make a living.
1: Yes, I totally agree. I mean, I was really good as a young person in math and science. Um, there's a lot of thoughts that if you're not good at school or if you're not necessarily the best student, go over here to manufacturing and try this. And, and while that may be in part an opportunity because of the way some people don't learn the same way, but I was good in math and science and my family was in manufacturing. And of course, I wanted to shy away from the family business and the opportunity. And then my junior year in college, I realized I'm good at math and science. What am I doing? Uh, you know, I need to, you know, wake up and and take advantage of that core capability that I have, and that's how I found my 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 way to the family business.
0: So, talk to me about what manufacturing jobs look like, because I had this path too, right? Okay, I'm good at math and science, so Sandy, you can go be an engineer, or you can be a math teacher, or you. And I didn't really want to do any of that. Mm-hmm. None of that was really that terribly appealing to me. I, I went that route and went on a very circuitous journey because it really wasn't the right thing for me. So what, what is a manufacturing job? What can it look like?
1: Well, let me first say that, that you know I talk to young people all the time. And in an average class of 20 that I might speak to, when I ask people if they know anything about manufacturing, maybe two people will raise their hand and almost embarrassed to raise their hand. So, part of my message is it's okay if manufacturing's not for you. What I don't think is is okay is for you not to even know that it exists, so you can make a conscious decision whether it is or whether it isn't. But, having said that, you know, admittedly, there's four year degree engineering uh, opportunities for people, for the people that do go the college route. but then there's also Inspection opportunities cad cam opportunities. There's uh, You know programming out on the shop floor. There's uh, management uh, capabilities and if a young person works their way into manufacturing There's a great culture where the old-timers like myself want young people to succeed so there's a, a great culture of mentoring and taking people under their wing so that they can gradually advance through an organization whether it be a small company or a large company and with technology some of these young people when they come into new new companies manufacturing companies they're more technologically apt their aptitude is higher than some of the old timers like myself where they can slide right in and actually have something to offer and almost have a reverse mentoring uh capability with some of the old timers.
0: That's interesting that, that kind of reversal of things. Um, I know that when I was working at the auto manufacturer, I, I spent some time out on the floor and, it was this symbiotic relationship of they were teaching me about manufacturing and how that functioned. And I was teaching them how they could use data to make their life easier and better and get the plant manager off their back. But it, it was that symbiotic relationship that I think really helped me to, to grow a lot that I was able to give and I was able to receive from their years of experience.
1: Yeah, the one the one thing that I'd like to point out because I get one time a mom asked me, Terry, how can you guarantee me that my son or my daughter would have a you know a guaranteed you know position or a guaranteed career? And I said I can't. I said there's young people that are spending either them or their parents or both their grandparents are spending a quarter million dollars plus for for a law degree, and the legal field is so inundated with applicants and, and qualified people that they have their pick of of you know the best of the best, and those even those people are, are you know living with their parents because they can't find a position. So, the more skilled and the more value added you are in anything, but in manufacturing that be the case, the more you have uh, something to offer to a potential uh employer and for a potential career but it's ongoing technology changes so it's not that you go and this is true about anything i might add that you go for an education and let's just say a two-year degree or a certificate or a credentialing to get into manufacturing and the learning doesn't stop there technology is evolving and everything in manufacturing is becoming so automated and so computerized I'm here to point out that young people are well positioned to really to step in into a a slot that has a huge void.
0: What types of skills you said, you know, the more skill, the more value added you are, what types of skills would it be good for our kids to develop or what types of skill sets are generally considered to be valued? In the manufacturing community?
1: Well, I think there's a gap in our, in our educational system, in our educational process. Um, first of all, let me point out that I, I'm a big believer in internships. And internships are a way for people to, uh, young people especially, to figure out is this something I even want to pursue? And is this a match for me? And, and it's the same with the employer. Is this young person coming into our company potentially? are they a match for us? So let me point that out first. As far as the skill sets, um, it, it depends on what path you're going into. A lot of young people, when it, let's go back to the educational model, a lot of manufacturing positions and, and careers have a lot to do with working with your hands. And a lot of education right now, isn't necessarily, um, set up that way or, or, you know, the, Education's not such that it, it's always you know, that, in that manner. So as a young person, you know, I had a very short attention span, and so I didn't learn like most people. I, I could, if I could see things, I learned much, much better, and it would take much shorter period of time for me to grasp concepts. So in manufacturing, math and science is, is a big plus. Um, you know, being able to look at a blueprint, being able to understand, uh, materials and, and how, uh, machining is done in different processes. Um, there's a whole statistical side of manufacturing from a mathematics stand standpoint, St- you know, SPC, statistical process control. Uh, there's, um, you know, there's a marketing side to it. There's a sales side to it. There's an accounting and costing side to it. So one of the, the miss perceptions is that manufacturing is all just one thing. There's all sorts of associated careers and skill sets that support manufacturing as well. There's an HR side to it. So there's many different career sets and there's many different skills. But the one thing I also say that I speak a lot to young people about is problem solving and communication. That's one thing that's missing in our culture right now is we're not teaching our young people, in my opinion, to problem solve. And so manufacturing every day, there's problems that need to be solved and young people need to step into those uh, capacities and capabilities and be value added for employers.
0: And I'm hearing that across the board. We've heard that from other guests. I've shared that I've had that conversation with employers, with college professors, with all kinds of people that our kids need the soft skills and they, they aren't having the opportunity to develop them like they have in the past. But I wanted to go back. I had a, a comment and a question. So you talked about SPC statistical process control, and that's actually the arena I worked in. And I just wanted to point out to people cause I'm a, I'm a little tuned in to math issues with my husband being a tutor and that being my background, I want to point out that when we say math, we are not talking about kids needing to be able to do high level math. When you, if you're talking about your kid having strong math skills, it is not that they can do calculus, it's that they have basic operational math skills. So don't let um, higher level math issues turn you off from pursuing that. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Terry, but that, that's the way it was many years ago when I was working in that area.
1: No, you're you're really you're spot on, Sandy. Um, I love math. Uh, I took a lot of calculus, a lot of pre-calculus, uh, differential equations in college. I went the engineering route, so I would point out that if you're going engineering, then I would say the high-end math is is necessary. But but so many uh, uh, opportunities and careers in manufacturing, it's the algebraic and geometry that we're talking about not the calculus differential equations. So you have the engineering sector that that would involve that, and that's four and five-year-plus degrees. But then you have the other, you know, two-year or stackable credentials or certifications uh, that would be algebra and geometry-based, and I totally agree with you on that.
0: Okay. And then you talked about, you said, you know, there's – marketing, sales, accounting, and cost side. Now, are those areas that you need a four-year degree to get into in manufacturing?
1: No, I would say no. I, you know, I think there's a whole change in this country, in our culture, that people in the manufacturing sector and in other sectors are realizing there's a lot of people that would require college degrees, You know, large corporations, that are saying, you know what, we need to rethink that and the market is moving towards a need for skills specific skills just generically manufacturing and other more than an actual degree and so i think you'll see as years go on you'll see that change propagate itself more and more where certainly you'll have to prove value you know i'm not going to tell any young person that they that they don't have to prove value to an employer they do and some of these young people aren't good at articulating the next generation has a very difficult time uh coming through and being able to verbally and and articulate their value that they offer and and there's almost a need to mentor our young people in just being able to do that uh, when they get in front of a potential employer
0: and what are some suggestions that you have for Our kids for developing, you know, what types of skills should they be looking at developing to help provide that value?
1: Well, I think, you know, with the advent of texting and the internet and email and just the way our young people right now communicate and interact, you know, parents and and young people alike need to kind of go back to the basics And realize that human interaction is is still very necessary and uh, the young contingent right now they don't do that very easily so they have to realize that when you're coming out as a young adult you really need to be able to broaden your communication skills and you need to you know role play in terms of interviews with your parents and with your friends and you need to You know, I I went to a a high school, I think I write about this in the book, where I sat down with 10 young people and I, I would force them to communicate and ask questions with me. And I finally, out of 10 young people, I got down to the last three. And I said, and it happened to be, they were all three young ladies. And I said, you're probably shy, I bet, aren't you? And they said, yes, sir. And I said, okay, well, think about this. You could be the smartest in the room. And you could be the most capable, and you could be the perfect candidate for me. But if you can't articulate that, you can't do that to yourself. That's not fair to you, as you know, being true to yourself. You need to, prior to getting into that situation, make a conscious decision that you need to learn how to articulate what you have to offer. And uh, it was it was a great exercise for those three young ladies. But I, I also want to take an opportunity to talk about you know women in the workforce and young women and how they have an opportunity in manufacturing because there's such a void in that as well and i see high schools now sandy where they're having introduction to engineering classes that are for female only so that their male the male c- counterparts the boys in the class won't discourage the young ladies from pursuing either manufacturing or engineering de- um,
0: Interesting. Um, I'll have to process that one. I'm just going to stop myself from getting on a soapbox about that because it's this conundrum of we want a space where these girls can speak up. And one of the things I've noticed, which is ironic because I'm the mother of two daughters, no boys. Mm -hmm. But I see in our culture where I think our boys have suffered under some of these you know, we've we've taken these great opportunities, we've taken the time to make great opportunities for our girls, which is awesome. And what we haven't necessarily done is made some of those opportunities for our boys. So I'm just gonna encourage parents of daughters to check out and see if they have it. And parents of sons go, all right, what can we do? And one of the things um I wanted to mention was the robotics teams.
1: Absolutely. If your
0: high school has a robotics team, it is An amazing experience. This is not something my girls did, but I watched these at their high school, and like you said, Terry, you know, like with manufacturing, there are all these different areas, and the robotics team is not just about the building of this robot. There are presentations to be made, and there's marketing to be done. So it it's this little real world simulation for these kids to work through.
1: Yeah, there's so many different programs. You know, I talk about Project Lead the Way in high schools uh, in my book. The Lego Robotics program with the young young people is fantastic. The FIRST Robotics, the BattleBots uh, program. There really is so many opportunities. And I get asked a lot, well, you know, how do we learn about all these different things? And I, and I tell young people in high school and, and et cetera, look, you have YouTube. You know, when I was a young person, even in my twenties, I didn't have YouTube. So you can search, you know, whatever you could possibly imagine on YouTube to learn. And then a lot of these high schools have these programs. And now there's the makerspace. I talk about the makerspace movement. And and that's a phenomenal opportunity. So there's a lot of things, but but at the end of the day, you need to know it exists or you need to know what to search for. So if we're not you know, speaking and making people aware about manufacturing or engineering, they won't know to even look for it. So having said that, get on YouTube and and search, and and you'll be amazed what you find.
0: And as you said, you need to know to search for it. And that's one of the things I do appreciate about your book, Terry, is that you mention a lot of these different things. So going through the book can also give you ideas as a parent or to pass on to your kid things that they can search for. So we'll have a link in the show notes to everything that you just mentioned because those are great programs and the book. And also going back to just talking with our kids Encouraging them to follow any passion that they have is going to help them build skills. They could be all kinds of obscure skills, but then that translates into this value that you talked about bringing to an employer. So I think as parents, the path I'm coming up with is let our kids know that they have options. And maybe college isn't an option in your particular family. And maybe it is. Even whether that is or not, there are other options. And let them know manufacturing is an option. But in the meantime, encourage them to follow their passions get involved with things with groups, communities, start something if there isn't something you know start a meetup, do anything but encourage them to follow those passions when they come up with just the littlest idea, the littlest thread, let them do that help them get the things that they need to follow that and then teach them to articulate the skills they've learned. Terry, one of the things I found with my girls when we're we're going through this process right first it was, applying for colleges and then scholarships and then job hunting. And we're in that job hunting phase right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I found is they don't understand the skills that they have. The only thing that they are taught to measure are their grades and the awards they win. Mm -hmm. And so I think, again, as parents, we can help talk to them about things that they learned. When you were in Taekwondo, you showed great leadership because you did this, this, and this, or when it's happening, hey, that was a great leadership skill. It was so fantastic that you helped that person learn this or do that. And I think encouraging those things goes back to your your point on being part of a community, being able to communicate and, and have some soft skills to be a valuable asset to an employer.
1: I think, Sandy, one of the things that I point to, out to young people, and I say it in the book, is, is that you need to show, you know, grades. When, you're, when I'm hiring and when people in our industry are hiring, grades are important, but they're not everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: having the tenacity to, to follow through. Um, I tell young people, arrive early, leave late, and, and be honest and tell the truth. And you know, I could look at a candidate that's a C plus student, if they have the tenacity to show up every day and be on time and and or come early and leave late and and, and honest and, and integrity based, I'll hire that person every day of the week. So if if that's part of your core, then you need to communicate that and you need to show that. And yes, grades are a part of it, but they're not everything.
0: I love that. And I think it's something that is really important in the workplace these days. I think it is, those are things that don't happen a lot of times. And yet, again, we don't think to point out to our kids, hey, look, this is something you do that is valuable, that is valued. And it is something that they can bring up in the job interview it is not necessarily the awards and the accolades, but that that they are there that they bring up their values that they're there they're honest they are trustworthy and they are tenacious and yes i got a c and i got that c through tenacity and this is what i learned from getting that c which is again just um, a path we don't think of taking i was wondering terry you have seven grandchildren now so congratulations on the seventh there thank you but as they grow up as they get older what will you tell them about choosing their future work? What words of wisdom do you have for them?
1: Well, the first thing I'll say as a grandparent that I've learned and I learned this as a dad, as well as a parent is the grandchildren are so different. I mean, every single one of them is so different. Obviously the, the one week old, I can't tell you what he is or isn't, but the other six, I can definitely say they're different. So what I've learned in in writing the book and what I've learned in my career is that internships, no matter what, whether they're in manufacturing, whether they're in anything is a great opportunity for you to understand early on what you enjoy, what you're passionate about, what you don't enjoy, what you really don't want to do. And so I would encourage, you know, in your freshman, sophomore, junior year in high school, you know, to, to pursue internships. And the other thing is, as a parent and a grandparent, is challenge our young people, or our children, to, you know, focus on things that they appear to, you know, to be, to light up with and to be really excited about. I think sometimes, you know, this is a very precarious point that I'm gonna try to make. Sometimes we worry about money too little, and sometimes we worry about money too much. Uh, We worry about money too little in that we throw money at a college career or a college education when we don't even know if it's right for a young person. Um, We worry about money sometimes too much in the career and sometimes too little. Um, I'm of the belief that if it's a match for you and if the market is not saturated saturated with applicants, that's a, a key ingredient there, that if you... Work hard if you're passionate about it, and you work hard at it, you'll spend so many hours doing it, you'll become good at it, and if you're tenacious, and if you're honest, you'll be value added to your employer, and you will, you know, make the money you want. So I think nothing's black and white. There's all sorts of nuances of gray that I think we need to really evaluate as as our young people are, are growing up and we learn what they're good at and what they're passionate about.
0: Yeah. And it goes back to that also following things that you like. I have a friend in our area whose son was not loving school, has some learning differences that make it very challenging, but he was hanging out around the boats and at the marina. And when he was very young, people started kind of taking him under their wing. And first he was helping out just volunteering. And then people were hiring him to clean their boats. Well, eventually he started working on motors and engines. And then somebody started paying him to go take the classes to learn to repair one type of engine. And that went well. So they paid him to do another and another. And suddenly he has a career path from just hanging out at the marina. (laughs) So you don't know what's going to happen except to keep feeding that and and I love your advice. So overall I guess what I'm going to sum this up is to say that what I've heard from you today Terry is we need to understand that manufacturing is a viable and thriving option for our kids as a country. It is something that is good for the kids who are going into it, good for the country. And we need to as Parents help our kids figure out what they like to do through doing things, through experimenting, and through doing internships, and then noticing, let them notice what they like and what they don't like, and we can notice what lights them up and encourage them to follow that path. I want to thank you so much for joining us here today. As I said, Terry, I will have a link in the show notes to your book. Um, Show notes are available to everybody at MightyParenting.com. Just go to the podcast episode. You can always, if it's past time, you can search in the search bar for Terry Iverson and the show will pop up. But Terry, for people who would like to maybe learn more about what you're up to, where can they find you?
1: Well, my, my 501c3 is called Champion Now. And I have a website, uh, championnow.org. So there's an N in champion and an N in now. So there's two Ns. But championnow.org. And, and championnow is an acronym that stands for Change How American Manufacturing's Perceived in Our Nation. So it's a long acronym, of course. But um, there I have articles. Um, I have links to the book. I have audio sample and link to the audio book. And there's a lot of information there. Um, you can also go on to uh, Amazon and and look. You can actually view a sample of different pages on Amazon of the book. Um, like for example, the parenting uh, chapter. I think it's chapter six, I believe. And then I think chapter seven or eight is young people uh, looking for you know their passion, finding uh, seven's return on education, and the nine is actually. Uh, find your passion in in life so um, and uh, that that tells everyone how they can find out more
0: and I did I love chapter six awesome responsibility of parenting all without a blueprint because they do not come with instructions so thank you so much Terry for joining us thank you mighty parents for being here if you enjoyed the podcast if you found value please rate review and share it Also, remember to visit MightyParenting.com, get your free email series on how to talk to your teen. Thanks for being with us today, for being part of the Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a Mighty Parent, and you got this. I will see you next week.